The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. You look at your handout today, you will see on the left panel a question. And that question is, what would, you, what would your life be like if you had information about the future? Information that would guarantee your eternal happiness. How would you live your life today if you knew that your future was fully secure? How would you live your life today if you knew that your future is fully secure? My message today will be taken from the book of uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. My topic today is forewarned is forearmed. Forewarned is forearmed. If you look at the uh, slide, it says, warning, bridge washed out. Now, we have all seen and heard about the storms, Hurricane Dorian, I think it is, that has terrorized Bahamas and the southern part of the United States. And we've all been in storms at some point ourselves, have we not? Now, if you were riding on the, a road that you were not familiar with, it's nighttime, it's dark, it's stormy, it's raining, and it's just blowing. And someone waved their hands in front of you and said, stop, stop. They waved you down, stop. You're wondering, what in the world is this guy doing out in this, this time of night, in this storm? He's going to tell you, well, the bridge is out up ahead. Stop. Go another way. You have a choice to make. You can listen to him, go another way, and live or take your chances that he's lying and he doesn't know what he's talking about and drive ahead and plunge headlong into that ditch or that ocean. We've got a choice to make. We could heed the warning, we could follow our own minds. Now, if you look at that in that same slide, there's an image there of a cross. And on one side, we're the people, on the other side is God. In the middle is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the bridge that takes us from death unto life, if we will but heed the warning. Now, that information, it's all in here, by the way. The information that we need about the future is all in this book. It tells about origins, who we are, why we're here, who God is, what he's done for us. It's all in this book. We don't have to go to seminars. We don't have to buy courses to learn about the future or even um, solicit mediums or tarot card readers or sorcerers. It's all in this book. You'll but read it and study it. Now, let's go to our text real quick. Forewarned is forearmed. And it reads us. This is a story that Jesus told. Now, this is said to be a parable. However, this story does not meet the criteria for a parable. It is a story that Jesus told. You see, the Pharisees and Sadducees were lovers of money. And Jesus told this story to tell them that your riches do not guarantee that you'll have eternal happiness. Your riches do not say that you have favor with God. So he was telling this story about a man named Lazarus and a rich man. Now there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, 
desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that, they may, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Verse 30. And he said, No, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he, Abraham, said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded by the one passed by from the dead. What's amazing about this story that Jesus told is that he would soon be crucified for our sins, and he would be raised again, and yet they would not believe. My first point today of three is earthly blessing does not guarantee eternal bliss. Earthly blessing does not guarantee eternal bliss. As in those days, the people in, the, in that time, they viewed prosperity as a blessing from God. They viewed those who had wealth as those who had favor with God. And those who were poor, they viewed them as being accursed. So in this story, the rich man, dressed in fine linen, was a blessed man. Heaven's favor rested upon him. And the man who was laid by his gate every day was accursed. And they would assume that his eternal destiny would be in hell, in Hades. But let's see what actually happens. So there was, this, it, it goes on, Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. Now, purple was the color of royalty. This man was a prince in the community and fine linen. He had day clothes, day linen, night linen, and when he went out to state affairs, he had his purple robe. He feared sumptuously every day. What that means is that he lacked for nothing. He lacked for nothing. He feasted when he wanted. He had parties in his home. Do we not know people like that? Look at our celebrities today. Look at Jeffrey Epstein. Remember him? Here's a man who is very much like this man, Jeffrey Epstein. He had a $77 million apartment. He had homes on islands. He had cars. He had billions of dollars and many, many powerful friends. And in his last day, he was put in a cell, a jail cell, far, far, far from the life he lived. We have a modern-day example of this, do we not? He faced something every day. Now, 
So it was that the beggar died, verse 22, and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, the beggar died and was carried by the angels. Now, here is a man who was so down and out, penniless, no family, broke. Remember, in those times, there was no social security. There was no social safety net. You either worked for what you had or those you had to beg, and he was a beggar. So he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, he was carried by the angels. He had an angelic escort. I could imagine four angels, one in front, leading the way, two on the sides, and one behind. So this man was safe. He was now safe. And I could imagine that as he looked at this strange scene, I was dead, but now I'm still alive. He looked at his feet, and there were no more sores. He looked at his clothes, and they were not tattered anymore. He had a robe, a white robe, heading to glory. Abraham's bosom is a euphemism for heaven, paradise. Now, the, continuing on, the rich man also died and was buried. Now, this man was a prince in the community. I imagine that he received a great burial, many accolades. Maybe his body laid in state in the synagogues, and he had a real great eulogy, a great send-off. But he was buried. Now, there's a movie that I saw many years ago called Ghost. Have you ever seen it? Who's seen it? Ghost? Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. A long time ago. I remember the whole thing, but here's what I remember. I remember that Patrick Spacey died. He was in love with Demi Moore, and he came back, but she couldn't see him. So Whoopi Goldberg served as a medium, a go-between, so he can love her through Whoopi Goldberg. But what I remember about this movie is this. There are certain scenes when the sinners died. They were dragged to hell by these dark, demonic forces. You remember that? They were dragged into hell. Jesus spared us that detail for this rich man. He just said that he was buried. But we know that his soul was dragged into hell by those demonic forces. Now, verse 23. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. How the tables had turned. Verse 24. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torment in this flame. Now remember now, Lazarus laid at this man's gate every day. God knows how long, weeks, months, perhaps years. And he never thought once to give this man a crumb from his table. Never thought once to give him a crumb from his table. Now he wants Abraham to send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and to just to touch his tongue. Here's a man who had everything he wanted. Just now all he wanted was the tip of water on his tongue. But Abraham said, son, remember, in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. How the tables are turned. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot Welcome those from their past to us. Now, what is this man's sin that he deserved hell? It's not because he was wealthy. 
because he neglected his brother's need. Look at what God warned the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7 to 8. So Moses spoke these words to the people. This is the sin. Now, both these men, Lazarus and rich man, were Israelites. Both Israelites. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Verse 9. Beware. Beware. Lest there be wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and you eye your, you eye, your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. He cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Verse 10. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Don't give grudgingly, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all to which you put your hand. Verse 11, For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. This was his sin. The beggar was placed at his gate every day. He never once thought to give him a meal, not even a crumb. And you remember it says, Lev just desired that the crumb fall from him. He didn't beg. He, he just lay there and hoping that something would fall from the man's table into his mouth. And I bet that man would say, why don't they get this man out of, out of, from out of my yard? He's just messing up my property values. You know, get him out of here. Get him out of here. So I'm sure he was happy when, when Lazarus died. He was probably through a feast that the, the Lazarus, the beggar, this dirty, stinking old man was dead. Then he spoke a parable of Jesus in Luke 12. This is again those who are rich in the world but not towards God. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods. Lit up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Jesus speaking, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, brothers and sisters here today, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you wish toward God today? Is there something you can, we can examine our lives, see where we are with God? When it comes to what we have and how we share with others, are we sharing what we have with others? Are we giving God the time he deserves in our lives? Do we have that relationship with his son that is so, so, so critically important for the future? Forewarned is forearmed. Let's examine ourselves today where we are with God. You know, we live in a town that loves the Buckeyes. I like the Buckeyes. I like when they win. They won 42 yesterday against the Bearcats. <laughs> I didn't see the game. I saw the score. But we live in a nation 
that idolizes sports. Green Bay Packers, I watch many a game where it's snowing outside, sub-zero weather, and 30, however thousand fans in the stands, 70,000 in the stands, buckled up, rooting on for those Packers. They're slipping and sliding, and those people sit there for two, three hours watching the game in the snow. But they won't spend 20 minutes in church. <laughs> and they'll spend $100 on drinks and beer and hot dogs, but won't give $10 to the offering. So we live in a nation that does worship. <laughs> We're a nation of worshipers. However, we worship the things that do not lead to life. We worship things that is for our own enjoyment. Listen, I enjoy, I enjoy watching sports. I'm not coming down those. I enjoy certain things. I enjoy playing golf, spending time with my friends, going to nice restaurants. I enjoy those things. No one's saying don't enjoy those things. But at the end of the day, do we value the things of God more than our own selfish desires. Point number two. Earthly sorrow, pain, and suffering does not suggest eternal misery. As I said before, the people of that day assumed that because one was prosperous and wealthy, they're going to go to heaven. And they also assumed that those who are poor and down and out going to go to hell. But the Bible tells us that's not how it is. Up is down, down is up. Now, uh, Luke 16, verse 20, back to our text. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, full of sores, like Job was, who was laid at his gate, the rich man's gate, so that the rich man could see him going out, see him coming in. He saw him. He even knew his name. The rich man knew this beggar's name. Now, Lazarus, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, he didn't feel entitled to that. He just
you think that some people believe that when a person dies, it's the end of life. Atheists believe and want to believe that there is no life after death because they want to live their lives the way they want to live it now for the moment, and when they die, there's nothing. That's what they believe. But if I don't believe in gravity, like I said, I don't believe in gravity. I grew up on top of a tall building. I'm going to jump. I'm going to fall down to the ground, right? I don't believe in gravity, but gravity exists, whether they believe it or not. <laughs> Amen? So here's what it tells in Revelations. Speaking of Lazarus, the beggar who had nothing in his life but in death. It says here, this is for all of us here, by the way. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, the believers. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. We pass from death unto life. Forewarned is forearmed. When we preach the gospel here today, we're telling you that there is life after death. There is a good life after death for those who are in Christ. We're telling you, warning you that for those who are not in Christ, there is life after death. And that life is one of eternal torment. It's not a nice message to preach, but it's the truth according to God's word. And we have a responsibility to tell those that we love about Jesus. We have a duty to tell those we love about the life after this life. This life is just a, a test. Number, point number three, repent and be saved when seeing is not believing. Repent and be saved when seeing is not believing. Now, Jesus had a friend. His name is Lazarus. Talk about that in just a moment. So continue. Then he said, this is the rich man speaking. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. So here is a rich man whose body lay in state in a tomb, a wonderful tomb, but his soul is in Hades. He is fully conscious. He's able to see. He's able to hear. He's able to feel. Although his body lays in a tomb. And so it is for all of us. One day, unless you're raptured, I hope you're raptured up to heaven. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. No, Father Abraham. If someone goes to the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, which is the Old Testament scriptures, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Again, this is ironic because Jesus would be crucified not too long after this, put hung on a cross, buried, and rise again in three days. And they still didn't believe. In fact, not only did not believe, the chief priests, the rulers, paid the guards to say that his disciples stole the body. They did not believe. The guards told them what happened. The, 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 the tomb, the door to the tomb, the stone just rolled, just blew away. And Jesus came out. They saw this. The guards saw this. With power, that stone blew off that, off that tomb. On the third day, he rose again. His body was not there. And the guards saw this. And they went to report back to the high priest. Now, in this time, 
those gods could have been put to death because on duty this body was taken from them but they were bribed not to tell the truth they were bribed not to tell the truth now there is a story that Jesus in the, in the book, Gospel of John chapter 11 verse 1 to 3 now a certain man was sick Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with, her, with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. This is a true story. This happened in, in the Bible. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, Jesus, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, he was away about two miles away with his disciples. And Lazarus was about two miles in Bethany. He, he could have gone in the matter of hours and, and healed him. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then his disciples, at verse 12, said to him, Lord, if he sleeps, will he, not, will he not get well? However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Lazarus. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. That you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. This is a time of mourning. A loved one had passed away. Then Martha, verse 20, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now Martha spoke this in faith, in faith, in faith. She knew that Jesus had the power to heal her brother, because he'd done it many, many, many times before. He'd healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, the dumb spake, the lame walked, the deaf heard, lepers were cured, dead were raised back to life. She knew by faith, by experience, by sight that Jesus can do this. And this is Lazarus whom he loves. Why not? If you can do it for strangers, but not, why not for a brother he loves, Lazarus? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, this story that Jesus told in Luke, the religious leaders always opposed him. These are the men who who loved riches, who loved position, loved fine clothes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. And this woman, a simple woman, she got it. These men who knew the scriptures well missed the Messiah when he came. They missed him. He was here. He performed miracles in his sight. He was the Messiah, and they missed him. They missed it. But this simple woman said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. You see, Moses had told them that God would raise up another one like him. 
him you must hear. Moses said this. Verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning at himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time they are the stench. Then the King James Verse said, by now he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. Verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, dead four days. Jesus had his spirit come back into him. He rose up, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. When seeing, repent and be saved. When seeing is not believing. Verse 45, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. Read that again. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary to comfort her had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Kind of a little snitch brigade, if you would. 47. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees. These are Israel's religious leaders. The church gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. Now, again, these men were wealthy, prosperous, princes in their community. So they, they cared more about the Romans coming to take away their nation and their prosperity than about believing the Messiah who they, whom they were looking for to come for centuries. That's what it's all about. We're going to lose our place, our station in life to follow after this man. Then from that day on, verse 53, they plotted to put him to death. But you see, folks, that was all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan. Jesus had to be crucified. So they played into his hands. They were offended at him. He came preaching life and truth, and they were offended at him to the extent that they wanted to kill him, and they eventually did. But that was all part of the plan. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Now, look what Jesus says. For those of us who are now suffering, those of us who don't see a way out, those of us who are troubled by many things in our lives, here that Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is a promise. This is a promise. For those who are found in Christ Jesus, there is a mansion for you in heaven, mansion for me in heaven. But more than that, there is God the presence of God in heaven. 
It's not, it's not about the mansion and about all that stuff. It's that Jesus is there who loves us so much, loves us so much that he came and died in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. If we will put our faith and trust in him, we'll pass from death unto life eternally. For God so loved the world, for God so loved Mike and Todd and Sean and Mike, Frank, Judy. He gives only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall perish and have everlasting life. One of the things we ought to be doing as well, as I continue this message, verse 5, get back to that in a moment. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. Not religion, not some secret knowledge. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not through Christianity, not through some other religion, not through some, some philosophy. Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for us. Now, Jesus made us a promise. He's warning us. He's telling us that put your faith and trust in me. I am the way, the truth, and life. If you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. You'll live with me eternally in heaven. That last slide, look at the sign. It says, warning, bridge washed out. Look at the slide next to it. Jesus Christ is that bridge. Jesus Christ is that bridge that we walk across from death unto life. If we'll put our faith and trust in him. Now, one thing we need to do as believers is share this message with others. We need to tell our neighbors and our friends and our families about Jesus Christ. Uh, I would say Cindy McNeil, sitting right there, she, I've known Cindy for many, many years. Cindy has a heart for the lost, like nobody I know ever. She has a heart for the lost. She serves a ministry called Kairos in the prisons, going into women who are locked up. She takes time to share with them Jesus Christ. She has a heart for the lost like nobody's business, like no one I know. Thank God for Cindy McNeil. And I pray that we be like Cindy, who loved Jesus so much and knows about the future that awaits those who are not in Christ. So may we, like Cindy, tell others about Christ, our loved ones, our neighbors, our friends, because Jesus is the answer to all that ails the world today. Jesus is the answer that bridges all our divides in this nation and our families. You're all going to suffer. You're going to have pain. You're going to have financial loss. You're going to have chronic pain in your bodies. But hold on. Like that beggar, hold on. Because when, when it's all said and done, we'll be without Christ forever. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more crying, no more death. For the former things have passed away. And Jesus did that for us. He made all things new. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, full of life and truth and grace and mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his telling us this story because he knows, Jesus knows that there is an afterlife. He came down from heaven to be like one of us. He didn't have to do it because of love. He did it, Lord. Now, Lord, he loves you, Lord, everyone in this room tonight, Lord, this morning. I just pray that you will now touch the heart of someone, Lord, who is, who is wondering whether or not they're in you, Lord.
touch, move in the heart of someone, Lord, who needs your salvation today. Give them the courage, Lord, and the boldness to come forth and ask the question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? I pray for those, Lord, who are suffering today. Give them strength, Lord, in their body, their mind, their spirits, their hearts to continue to persevere through their suffering, through their sorrow, through their pain, to know that there is a better day ahead because in in you, Lord Jesus, is our hope. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in you, not in our wealth, not in our health, not in our prosperity, but in you, Lord Jesus. May we choose you over the things of the world. But may we also, Lord, be generous to those around us with that which you have given us. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. So continue to bless this church, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.